I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Welcome, everyone, to RB1 Colon Fantasy Football Podcast, part of the Fake Teams Podcast channel. I am the consummate professional, first ranking officer of the Terry McLaurin Stand Club, constant doubter of Alvin Kamara, and BFFs with the Oracle, your humble host, Pete Rogers. And I am joined by some of the guys. We have the Duck Father, recovering Texans fan, foreteller of Devontae Parker's breakout, and caster of the double reverse chutzpah, resident old man Clark Barnes. And fantasy football's premier internet doctor, loather of Adam Gase, sub-lieutenant of the SS Deshaun Jackson, and thinks your favorite team is run by donkeys, uh, the ginger scruff man, Nick Botterford. Guys, how are we doing today? Doing great, Pete. Good, Pete. How are you doing? I am doing well. I am desperately hoping that my week three goes a lot better than my week two. I just, it would, week two was one of those weeks, it was a weird week for everyone because just basically anyone who set foot on the NFL field was somehow injured. Uh, but also I just felt like I, maybe this is, maybe this is a, uh, uh, a PSA public service announcement to, uh, to fantasy people out there. It was a week where I ignored my gut instinct and I overthought everything. Like my gut was like, Oh, this is what you should do. And I was like, okay, okay. But then maybe this wouldn't happen if that and i overthought it and i ultimately it let me down uh so listen to your heart listen to your gut and ignore the little voices in your head that i have constantly going on so there's my fantasy advice for the week unless you shouldn't <laughs> so we definitely nailed that voices, one unless the little voices are telling you some really good advice in which case listen to you should start putting more money away why don't we We're drive a little slower? Mattress. Drive a little slower. It's safer. You won't get there any faster. Okay. <laughs> I would be such a good person if I had that little voice in my head. I want, you know how they always, everyone's like, what celebrity would you like to narrate your life? I want high-pitched Clark Barnes to narrate my life. That is, that is who I want playing over uh, the world that I live in. I'm available, Pete. Oh, God. I'm here for it. Speaking Nick. of injuries, Nick what? is here oh, for ahead. week three. Look yeah. at him. Nick is here for week three. <laughs> you can you can always tell always tell when uh, Nick is locked in when uh, when we're, while Clark and I or whomever and basically when I'm bantering at the beginning of a show and Nick is like leaned forward and is just kind of like eyes are scrolling up and down. Clearly, he's like reading or research in front of him, wondering just, when this yep. random train of thought <laughs> of me is going to end. And I've extended it even more. Let's get into week three. We've got all kinds of starts and sits for you. Uh, so let's start off with the Thursday night game. Miami Dolphins heading to Jacksonville to take on the Jaguars. Um, for me, the, the person who I'm most kind of intrigued by in this game, the Miami Dolphins have had, even though they invested a lot in their secondary, uh, it hasn't quite 
paid out uh, as of yet. They are giving up the third most points to uh, wide receivers so far this season, which is great. Uh, obviously, we'll see a, a lot of DJ Chark. Hopefully, we'll see some LaVisca Chenault, who we love on this show. But Keelan Cole has been like balling out to start this year. Uh, and so this is a guy who I'm actually really curious about to see whether or not what we've seen so far to start this year is like a fluke or if he has an actual defined role in this offense that is going to be fantasy viable for the rest of the year. I think he's going to be viable. I'm hoping for a breakout game for Chark this year, but what Minshew is doing is just playing nice and cool, like the old grizzled vets spreading the ball around. So LaVisca Chenault and Keelan Cole and DJ Chark are all having pretty good games while none of them seem to be absolutely necessary for the offense to function, which is maddening for fantasy owners uh, unless you own Gardner Minshew. Yeah, the the safest way to rack up points via, I guess, attachment to this passing game is to just have drafted Minshew or or picked him up. Well, and hopefully him. after Yeah, hopefully after week one, if he was available and you needed a QB, uh you went and got him because we, we touched on his schedule uh, a little while back, but it's it's pretty nice these next few weeks. Pete, you mentioned the Dolphins secondary, and I think that they're going to be really helped by the absence of, uh, or the Jaguars, they're going to be really helped by the absence of Byron Jones with simultaneous Achilles and groin injuries, which sounds like the two worst injuries I could dream up to have at the same time. Um, I like Chark to bounce back here, and I, Cole Cole's really interesting, though. My understanding of him prior to today was that he was kind of operating as their deep threat, but his average intended air yards is, is like 7.1. So he, he doesn't have that role. He, he's kind of just working all over the field. I think that like all three of the, the starting receivers are flexible in this one. And I, I think that's just kind of a, the nature of this like Thursday toilet bowl game where it's just pre- like gunslinging offenses versus just like real, real bad defenses. Um, is there anybody that you guys like don't or wouldn't feel comfortable putting into your lineups? The only big swing I have is I'm not interested in Miami's backfield. I think it's too muddled. I'm not even going to take a shot on those guys, but Preston Williams, I think would have a good game this week. And I think Devonte Parker is definitely a go. I think you kind of nailed it. These are two uh, very functional productive offenses that have looked good against bad defenses. And I think we'll see that again on Thursday night. So that's fine. So I, like, I'm, I'm very much, are we, uh, I'm, I'm on board with, with James Robinson. Uh, yeah. I said I Miami's yeah. backfield, right? Miami's Miami's backfield. Oh, oh that's my mistake. Um, yeah, James Robinson oh, agreed. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I must've misunderstood. I thought we were hitting Jacksonville first. I'm on autopilot. Um, I like Miles Gaskin. I would flex him this week. I think that he's got a, a, a I think he has a, a safe role in this offense. He has his his snap counts are sixty three and sixty five percent through the first two games. Gailey said that he's the the spread running back. I don't. It's his usage is just really consistent, and I think that if you're in any sort of a PPR format, um, he he's like he's a. I think he's tied for the fourth highest. Uh, targets among running backs period so i i definitely would flex gaskin all right well let's move on to the houston texans taking on the pittsburgh steelers in pittsburgh clark are you worried about your boys heading to uh to play a pretty tough defense 
No, so I went back and watched the Ravens game, and I think that the Ravens versus Texans, uh, the Ravens just kind of dominated the whole way, but the Texans didn't look inept to me. They just looked absolutely the inferior team. They stuck in there, I think, a little bit better than the score looked. Uh, The Texans have started with uh, the Chiefs and the Ravens, who I think if you were laying odds for who's going to win the Super Bowl this year, those two would at least be in your top five if we're going to be incredibly not generous. So I'm expecting the the Steelers are probably in your, like, top six i mean like this is this is a gauntlet for houston to start with they could have some problems against the steelers but i think this is the first week that they uh start to look like a functioning offense i'm excited about will filler finally uh stepping up and having a big game i'm still starting him maybe with more faith than uh based on good stats or reasoning other than (laughs) i think he's a wide receiver one for the Texans I think he's gonna be okay so I think things are gonna turn around for the Texans and uh we'll we'll just have to see as the next few weeks go on I'm really hoping that Bill O'Brien chooses to just bubble wrap fuller for this week and uh and sit him I want him healthy for the slate of Minnesota Jacksonville Tennessee and Green Bay and then I mean after the bye he comes out with with Jacksonville um yeah I would I would really love him and his his four three legs totally a-okay for that uh that stretch um and hopefully if you know everybody drafted him as, at his adp and he and took him as like the fifth or sixth round then you know you don't need him uh and and can can get by without him in there if he's playing that's tough i think you still have to put him in the, the lineup though just because of how many targets he's going to get yeah and he's off the injury report as of today we're recording this you know later in the day on wednesday it's always tough with the injury report. Bill O'Brien likes to get cute with that sometimes, but he's not on there. So hopefully he has recovered from his hamstring injury, but boy, Will Fuller owners did not like seeing that crop up. Yeah. Especially this early. Uh, so I put out my wide receiver rankings for this week. Uh, Fateteams.com. Go check them out. Also Nick's running back and QB rankings are there too. Uh, and I had an internal debate and I wasn't brave enough to do it this week, but. I'll, I'll pose it to you guys. Was it crazy for me to even think of putting Deontay Johnson over Juju Smith-Schuster in rankings for this week? Because it looks like Deontay Johnson is kind of the wide receiver one in, in Pittsburgh. And it, it seems like he's kind of the guy moving forward. Obviously, Juju still will be uh, having an important role there. But Deontay Johnson is coming out on fire to start this year. Yeah, he's the number one receiver. And... I think that both of these guys can still turn in overall like top 12 uh, fantasy seasons. What I like about Deontay Johnson's uh, usage is that it's, it's just high volume. He's got 10, 13 targets through the first two weeks and he's getting, he's getting a lot of work period, but a lot of it's kind of coming between the twenties, which is good for Juju owners because when they've gotten into the red zone, Ben Roethlisberger looks Juju's way, which I, I, think can be sort of a way that these two guys can maintain back end or like wide receiver one slash two fringe value for the rest of the season. But uh, yeah, it, it does appear that, that uh, Johnson is now no longer just the X receiver. He is also like the, as one would oftentimes imagine the X, he is the number one receiver. Yeah. I think if you, if you've added him or you drafted him, he is he has well cemented himself as a consistent weekend week out starter. Like I I I would not take him from my lineup moving forward. Let's move on then to the Cincinnati Bengals heading to the Philadelphia Eagles uh to play 
in Clark Barnes, again, you are enticed, intrigued by this game. So I was high on Deshaun Jackson coming into the year, and it has not exactly worked out perfectly uh, for folks like me who took Jackson super late, expecting a lot. Uh, the Eagles offense has looked really bad through a couple of games against a Washington defense that I thought may be a whirling dervish of saw blades, but uh, the Cardinals showed us that that was not true. And then uh, the Eagles didn't look great last week either. The Bengals have proven so far early in the season to be the salve that soothes aching offenses though. And so I think if you did take a couple of hits with Deshaun Jackson for these first couple of weeks, go ahead and throw them in there. One last time, and like I said last week, if it doesn't happen with OBJ this week, then it's not going to happen. If it doesn't happen with Deshaun Jackson this week, then it's not going to happen. Welcome to the Dunzo list, Deshaun Jackson. You have one week to get off of it before we're Dunzo with you. Yeah, I I, uh, I like everything that Clark had to say there. I, I think that this matchup sim- uh, profiles somewhat similarly to what we have Thursday, where it's two offenses that are going to be able to move the ball really well. You're going to want to start guys that you have uh, on these two teams, and uh, the defenses shouldn't be able to stop them. Uh, I just want to throw this out here. We saw this Bengals defense get absolutely torched uh, Thursday night by Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt. This uh, this could be a Miles Sanders RB1, like best running back in fantasy this week. And so I, as a Miles Sanders manager, who's been kind of like, waiting for him to return on the investment that I, I spent for him. Uh, I'm very excited for this, but also I think he will be a great DFS play this week uh, just because he, against this defense, could could finish in that, you know, RB1, maybe uh, top three, certainly running back. Yeah, and he didn't have any setbacks with the hamstring, so that's exactly what we wanted to see. Pete, the only difference uh, that I have with you on this is that I have him as the RB4 instead of the RB3, but we're, we're in lockstep. <laughs> God damn it, Nick. <laughs> and the, uh, our, the running backs coach has a, a little tape to say, hey, stop going outside. <laughs> Turn up field. Thank you. Yes, go go up, up the field. Uh, all right, let's go on to the San Francisco 49ers staying in New York uh, to play on the hellscape field that destroyed half their team last week uh, to take on the Giants. Nick, what are, you, what are your vibes for this game? I'm so pumped for this one, and uh, given the the conversation we had on Monday, this is an exciting opportunity for me on the podcast to plant another flag. The narrative around this game is that Kyle Shanahan is going to be very conservative with who he puts on the field because of how upset they are with their all of their players getting injured on said field. Jarek McKinnon, terrific player he's in a fantastic situation he does he did take a very long time to uh, recover from his torn acl he's out for two years i think that he is the one a back in this one i don't think that he is the hot waiver wire ad uh as like the number two guy who who maybe should even be taken over mike davis uh and and part of that is that Mostert might only be out one week. If it was four weeks, okay, then then Jet working as the the one A in this offense, I could totally see the argument there. But who I really like is Jeff Wilson. He's not a terribly large back. He's he's six one, I think one ninety or six foot one ninety five. But the dude, if you go back and look at just the way that he was used throughout his his kind of brief tenure at the team, I think he's been there for three years. 
initially in his rookie season, he was getting a ton of passing game work in, in a couple of games. This was kind of the like uh, Brita McKinnon, they're patching things together when, when Jarek McKinnon went out. Um, but what he is, is he's a very good rusher in the red zone from what we've seen out of his limited action. I think that Kyle Shanahan is going to uh, transfer his conservativeness with how he's going to be, you know, not playing Kittle. Uh, Debo obviously isn't out there, but I don't think he's going to run Brandon Ayuk too much, and he might hold Jimmy Garoppolo out. Uh, I think Jeff Wilson is going to get a ton of work, and like way more than people are expecting, and I think a lot of that is going to come in, in the tough yarded situations in the red zone. So I got Jeff Wilson in every league and will be, or, or most of them, I, I think, uh, tough to keep track, but I, I will be starting him as a flex like what a, everywhere what a that I can casual flex by Nick. I have so many leagues that I don't even remember if I got right. in all of my leagues. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I like that too. I like that. Especially if you're someone who maybe missed out on Jerick McKinnon on waivers, like because he was the hot button name and Jeff Wilson is kind of still just like nicely sitting there. Certainly worth, worth an ad and start. Uh, if we're, if we're going to give some, some do not play these guys advice, the Giants' uh, offensive line is dead last uh, on Football Outsiders DVOA in terms of run blocking. Don't don't like play Devonta Freeman. Don't play Deion Lewis. Don't go don't go get those guys. Spend all your fab and then put them in your starting lineup. Even if, even though it's like a banged up 49ers front line, they're still really good. Javon Kinlaw looks like a beast. Uh, his rookie year and just this Giants if Saquon Barkley wasn't able to do anything with this Giants offensive line I am not in trusting that Devonta Freeman uh, is going to be able to somehow magically give you fantasy production I agree with all that I don't think I think that that Lewis is like a one-dimensional pass catching back it, I, well I think that 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 is how he will be used he's obviously been an effective rusher I think Wayne Gallman gets the battering ram role for this one but we we mentioned on uh, the, the Tuesday show that Devonta Freeman is, I think, just going to get shoehorned into being their lead back down the line. If you need somebody, I would add him just because I think he's going to get like 18 touches as the season progresses. I'm not excited about it, and I'm not starting him soon, though. Let us then leave that shithole of a game and progress to <laughs> the Las Vegas Raiders, the 2-0 and Las Vegas Raiders. Let the record show. Uh, going to New Orleans, New Orleans, they just beat New Orleans, New England to take on my beloved Patriots. Um, and for this game, I mean, whew, I'm excited because I just want to watch Cam Newton all day, every day without, you know, I mean, just the, the watching him play football is just pure ecstasy to me. Uh, I do think a guy who you can start, who's coming off of a, a kind of a rough week against the saints, but that's makes sense. Uh, I still trust Henry Ruggs this week. Uh, the Patriots do have a history. I know their secondary on paper is very good. They were obviously were kind of uh, taking the task against the Seahawks, but I attribute a lot of that to being like Russell Wilson's throws were fucking gorgeous. DK uh, Metcalf being the next Julio Jones. And DK Metcalf being the next Julio Jones. Uh, just that was that offense is beautifully potent. But the Patriots do have, like, you saw it. They've had a history of, of not really being able to really work with super speedy guys. And you saw a little bit with Tyler Lockett where the Seahawks would run these kinds of uh, drags across the field and get pick plays or just miscommunication. And now you're getting uh, – Lockett had a lot of space to operate in. 
So I think that Henry Ruggs could still have some fantasy value, uh, certainly going into this week, even though people are going to be like, ah, the Patriots secondary is still elite, and Henry Ruggs is coming off of a game where he wasn't heavily involved uh, against the Saints, but I I still trust him going into into week three to give you you flex-worthy numbers. Yeah, I think the I think the Raiders get exposed in this game. They are two and zero, and they earned it. But I'm not super impressed watching their games. They squeaked by a really poor Panthers team and had a lot of things just bounce their way in Week Two. I think against the Saints. So I think the Patriots are just going to embarrass the Raiders. I would still go with Josh Jacobs because he's getting huge volume and he's showing us that he is really, really good. Uh, but I think that the Patriots are going to bounce back from there you know, really one and a half yards away from, from being two and oh, and a fantastic primetime matchup Such that a lot a of people game. got to saw or got to see last week. But yeah. I just think the Raiders get exposed this week and the Patriots just trounce them. I think uh, after last weekend's game, Darren Waller has to be in contention for tight end one. <laughs> like, yeah. The fact that they're like 17 targets is 16. And Good I Lord. get that rugs might still be like, nursing his knee but that kind of usage is like that's tough to find um my only thing will just be to to further uh picking a bone with the with the whole um josh jacobs narrative the the passing down splits continue i mean they like have really started to be in favor of Jalen richard uh from Dwayne mcfarland on twitter two minute uh percentage was 71 percent richard uh third and fourth down 73 I know that Josh Jacobs, I think he got like three targets last week and three targets is cool. Uh, that's, that's great. Like, especially if you're Derrick Henry, like th- that, that's a really nice way to boost the usage, but I am uh, feeling good right now about calling bullshit on John Gruden, uh, you know, employing a, a bevy of pass catching backs and, and still saying that, yeah, uh, Josh Jacobs is going to be our, our two-way bell cow uh, for the rest of the season, or for the you know for 2020. Nick's vendetta against Josh Jacobs continues. Only guy I dislike more than Larry Fitzgerald. It's true. Oh my gosh, that means to me you really hate him. So uh, I'm I'm not saying this to be flippant. And uh, Nick does a fantastic job uh, bringing lots of great stats to the table. And uh, I would say that he does a better job than me. I just kind of watch the games and then tell you how I feel. And so you know, exposing myself there. Uh, all of that stuff that you said is true, but what does it matter? The only running, so the most targeted running back that I'm seeing here in the top five is Alvin Kamara with 17 targets and Josh Jacobs has nine. Josh Jacobs is the number five running back right now, and he is absolutely the feature back in a Las Vegas Raiders offense and getting tons of touches. So it would be nice if he was also getting targets all the time, but he's not, and he's still kicking ass. Yeah, and I mean, we we talked a lot about how after week one was that that was going to be the time to sell high, just because the the matchup there was like bulletproof. Everybody is going to look uh, at their best or, or look better than their best in in week. Uh, excuse me, in when they're facing Carolina, and I I just think like with the more difficult slate of defenses that that comes after uh, Carolina, you just continue to kind of get exposed. Uh, you know, for the the one dimensionalness, um, yeah. But time will tell. Yeah, I think. I mean, having said all that, I still think the Patriots are just going to embarrass the Raiders. So we'll see. Sorry, Pete. Not not kissing up here, but 
Oh no, that's quite all right, Clark. Clark, you can have the most airtime on this podcast because of how much uh, how much praise you're giving us. Keep keep going about how good the Patriots are going to be this weekend. I'm here for it. As long as Cam Newton gets another two rushing touchdowns and is on pace for whatever 16 times two is, 32. God, I'm so 73. smart. 73. <laughs> Cam Newton on pace for 73 rushing touchdowns. Uh, let's move on to the Tennessee Titans heading to Minnesota to take on the Vikings. And I will say, as someone who has A.J. Brown on their roster, I'm very upset that A.J. Brown likely won't be playing this game because Minnesota Vikings secondary still uh, still looking like a uh, hot trash. And I kind of wish that A.J. Brown was there to take advantage of it. But Corey Davis is there, uh, and so is Jonu Smith. And uh, I think those guys are both. I mean, Jonu Smith is is now like you. you if you have him, you start him, and you ride with him until you die. Uh, and I'm, I'm trusting Corey Davis. I know that his week two production wasn't exactly what people were anticipating after his week one and with A.J. Brown being out. Adam Humphreys ultimately had a better game, but the fact that Corey Davis is like reliably seen targets and has reliably produced so far to start this year, uh, I'm here for it. So I'm, I'm buying, buying the Corey Davis hype and I'm on the, I'm on the train this week. I think any uh, receiver who's going to see meaningful work against the Vikings is worth getting into your lineup to some extent. Pete, what kind of uh, like flex wide receiver two, wide receiver one, what kind of output are you hoping for? For Corey Davis? Let me see what I ranked him. I feel flex off the top of my head. Um, and let me see what I ultimately pe- put him down as. Cause I have, well, while him- you're looking that up, I can, I can fill a little time. Uh, okay. Sometimes you watch a couple of teams play and you just don't understand uh, how they're giving up such big plays or like, boy, the, the quarterbacks and wide receivers just happened to connect for a lot of really big plays and the stats are kind of deceiving, but uh, receivers are just running wide open in Minnesota's backfield. So you can trust the analysis that, yeah, you, the receivers against Minnesota are doing great because Minnesota's backfield is, is not really good. Yeah. Their secondary hot trash. Uh, maybe this won't go over well on the podcast, but I have Corey Davis as my wide receiver 32 this week. Uh, Will Fuller's my wide receiver 33. So I think Corey Davis is going to have a better week than Will Fuller. <laughs> Clark, should we uh, take him up on that? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, 32 and 33, that's close. I, I, I just, why not Will Fuller top 10 wide receiver this week? Because Other twofold. Than everything we've seen. One, one is Will Fuller is like one step away from just his collapsing in pain with his hamstring snap. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, I know, I know. And I, I personally, I am buying it. Like, I really like this uh, Pittsburgh defense and especially their secondary. So, I I will just bump that down in, in terms of that. And when you have Corey Davis going up against the Vikings, Corey Davis is like one of the pro- only receiving targets in Tennessee now uh, against the a secondary that is just looking like hot, filthy garbage. Uh, I'll give him the nod. I need, I need Will Fuller to put together like two consecutive weeks of big time production. He had, had good week one. He did not have a good week two. Give me week three, week four before I'm like, okay, Will Fuller can consistently be a you know top 15 or, or a wide, wide receiver one, even a wide receiver two. All right, before we move on, let us take a <laughs> Nick, Nick is Nick is furious with, with my take. Let's take a quick ad break. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here as in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. 
That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not as uh, simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. All right, we're back, and it is time to talk about the Washington football team heading to Cleveland to take on the Browns. Nick, what do you like about this game, or who do you not like about this game? I really like Antonio Gibson. Uh, the the usage that, that we talked about last week, um, Hayden Winks has it on his, his Twitter timeline. It, like the, the leaps in usage and snaps everything was to die for. And now he gets to go face a, I don't know, middling uh, Cleveland Browns defensive front. They're, they're pretty weak at linebacker. I think they, what lost Schobert in free agency and then another one uh, to injury to start the year. We covered it. He He's a big bodied dual threat back. Who's like freakishly athletic. There's, there's so uh, so few players have rights to big parts of this offense right now. Like it's Terry McLaurin, it's Logan Thomas, and then you know we we've said like Steven Sims in a PPR league, but there isn't anybody that just like owns you, you know sixty percent of the rushes and like fifteen percent of backfield targets, I or targets from the backfield rather. Um, I I have this week as sort of the 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 coming of of Antonio Gibson. I'm going through the rankings right now and I believe I ranked him fairly aggressively. He is Oh, Nick. Oh, nowhere Nick. to be found. Um anyway, he's running back too. I like uh, how Clark's not there to fill the time. Clark's Clark's got my back. We'll be when Nick's struggling to find. I'm just giving No, I mean I think Gibson's showing what you want from a young rusher. Had an okay game one, looked better in game two, and and not just watching the box score. He's he's making things happen out there. He's making guys miss and then falling forward, which is something big that uh, younger backs and slider backs don't always do. So so those things bode well for them. I am really hoping that my gamble that last week we saw the high watermark for a lot of the Browns players pays off having moved OBJ for Leonard Fournette in a PPR league. Uh, I I don't think the Browns are are really that good. This is going to be a real test against a Washington team. That's also not very good. We'll see if uh, Baker Mayfield just looked great against perhaps one of the worst teams in the NFL, or maybe the Browns are picking up some momentum here as the season goes on. Yeah, this is a big test for Baker, especially uh, just because we've, I mean, we know how dominant this, this front four front seven of Washington can be when they get after the passer. they did against the Eagles. Uh, and so it's going to be a real test for Baker who last year's whole issue was seeing ghosts in the pocket and getting hit every other play, uh, whether or not he can stay composed and be able to make plays downfield, get Odell involved, get Jarvis involved. Are either of you guys worried, Nick, I know you have him still as an RB one this week, but are you guys worried about uh, Nick Chubb? Not like so much so that you'd bench him, but to the point where it's like 
maybe don't anticipate an RB1 showing from him, given how good Washington's defense has been against running backs, only allowing the second fewest points. I mean, I'd probably pass him DFS, but he's super expensive anyway. I mean, I yeah. no problem starting him. I mean, I can't imagine a team being so stacked that you would sit Nick Chubb this week. Yeah. Or, or Hunt. Frankly. Or Hunt. I need. I, I always love me some Kareem Hunt. Yeah, uh, I, I agree with that. And I think that basically what what you want in a running back one is somebody who's going to get a ton of usage. And I, while I just sung the praises of Antonio Gibson, I don't think that the Washington offense is suddenly going to become a juggernaut who is running up the score. And that would therefore imply that the Browns are, in fact, uh, the ones perhaps running up the score if the Browns are in neutral or uh, positive game script. Chubb's going to be the guy. He's he's going to be the one out there getting touches, and uh, their offensive line is light years better than the Philadelphia Eagles is. I've been watching actually a lot of Browns offensive line film uh, from Brandon Thorne, who's a free resource on Twitter, and it's it's fantastic. Jedrick Wills looks amazing. Looks, so yeah. yeah, looks very very good. It's it's a it's a line to be to be really excited about, and yeah, I think that that Nick Chubb uh, still garners back end RB one. Uh, value all right well let's move on then to the next which is the los angeles rams uh heading to buffalo to take on the bills and i want to pull nick's qb rankings up here because the rams have been pretty good against quarterbacks uh to start this season and obviously two weeks in you know you take everything with a with a uh, grain of salt healthy healthy dabbling of salt but they're allowing the seventh fewest points to quarterbacks and josh allen has been emerging uh, thriving uh, and has become not only a, I mean, we knew he was a great fantasy quarterback, but he's also now becoming a better on the field, actual football quarterback. Either of you guys worried about him facing a, a staunch defense and also an I mean, actual for me football team An actual exactly an actual football team. Uh, and for me personally, I am, I certainly am tepper, tempering my expectations uh, for Stefan Diggs going up against Jalen Ramsey, not to the point of, of him being, unstartable but i don't i don't i'm certainly not predicting him having wide receiver one numbers i think i have him as a low end wide receiver two this week so i was out on josh allen as the number five drafted quarterback this year not because i thought he was terrible i just thought that that was way too rich for the guy that we've seen play for these past couple of years uh starting off against granted the jets and the dolphins he has looked a much improved passer he's still not perfect but he's making a lot of throws I've seen him airmail, and uh, so I earn my distrust as a number five overall QB. So they're going against a defense here that has played very well against two pretty decent offenses, and the Rams are back to everything that they do on offense seems to work. Yeah, Uh, They haven't exactly played a murderer's row either. Uh, I think Josh Allen, you know, at best takes a step back in this game. It'll be interesting to see if he can still pull off a decent performance, then I think that this will be the first indication we have this year of, you know what, all those people that thought Josh Allen really was, you know, the next coming were right. Uh, And then if he can't, we'll just have to see what the rest of the year shows. So uh, Mike Clay was, was tweeting about how the bills are actually the past heaviest offense in the NFL right now. And uh, there's some really fun stuff. Allen talking, giving interviews, talking about how like, golf has helped him kind of dial in his uh, formerly scattershot arm where he 
golf evidently taught him he doesn't have to swing as hard as he can on every throw he just needs to like have good form and that imagine making it to like the professional league and learning that you don't need to throw as hard as you can on (laughs) it's like all right what have we been doing here so far then yeah so uh that and i believe i'm blanking on it the it was the etr guys talking about this in their podcast over the summer and uh he went and studied with one of the coordinators who helped cam develop early in his career uh, go ahead clark that okay all right we mock that shit all the time and rightfully so of like so and so worked with tom brady's coach this year and it's always like blake bortles and people who can't pass so uh, the one time it works out I'm a, blake bortles I'm, I'm a little hesitant to say, well, he worked with this guy and, and then he got better, even though I have to admit, it does look like Josh Allen got a lot better in the offseason. I don't know. Yeah, I have four minds on this. That, that's fine. I'm going to keep my, uh, my narrative rolling because uh, it appears to be correct. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, his, his passing, his passing is, is much improved and they're, they're putting him in passing situations that are a lot easier. They're, they're having him throw on first. It's a lot easier to throw when the defense is preparing for a running back to run or the quarterback to run and his scrambling is still top notch. Uh, that said, of course, the, the Rams defense, I, I think that this is going to be one of those where it's like defense doesn't matter. He's just kind of getting it done with the via the play calling and his own natural ability. And so I, I wanted to rank him higher, but he, he came in as the quarterback seven this week, just because the matchups up at the top are like, just fire the cannons on everybody. How are we feeling about uh, Daryl Henderson? He seems to be the last man standing. I mean, every, every running back for the Rams has looked pretty good. Then let's move on to the Chicago Bears heading to Atlanta to take on the Falcons. And I will say, I wasn't bold enough to put Deontay Johnson over Juju Smith-Schuster this week in my wide receiver rankings, but I did put Calvin Ridley over Julio Jones in my wide receiver rankings this week. Uh, granted, Ridley is wide receiver two, Julio is wide receiver three, so... Not a drastic difference, but good Lord. I have this Falcons offense. I can't get enough of, and I just think that they're matchup proof and I am firing every single part of them. I also have Russell Gage. I think I have him as like a flex high end flex uh, option as well. So like, if you have a part of this offense, you fire it up regardless of the fact that the bears once possibly might've had a vaunted defense. Yeah, big teams. Uh, we tried to, to warn everybody they needed to go draft Ridley. His ADP was egregious this summer. Uh, Pete, in, in half point PPR, Ridley is is the the number He's one. He's the wide receiver one. So yeah, yeah, his opportunity is there. His talent is there, and and he's got a phenomenal quarterback passing to him. We need to monitor Julio Jones's. I think it's his hamstring. Um, yeah. he, he's notorious for playing injured, so we might not really need to worry about it, but to your Russell Gage point, if Julio were to miss time, Russell Gage is like a serious wide receiver too in this matchup. Uh, yeah. Pick him up if you need a receiver. Yeah. And I'm, I'm flexing Gage, uh, this weekend as well. You know, regardless of what happens to Julio with Julio in there, most of the time Gage has proven more, more so, I should say that this offense has proven that there's going to be so much to go around that even with the wide receiver one and that not being Julio Jones, there's still enough left over for someone else to be very productive. Can I give you guys a really saucy start for this game? It's going to make you feel terrible about doing it, but Mitchell Trubisky. 
the Falcons defense are giving up just points upon points upon points to, to quarterbacks. The most. Trubisky has always looked, hey, Trubisky, not how it has always. Trubisky has looked a little bit better this year as a passer as well. And I don't know if it's just the first couple of games or what, but uh, any progress should show brightly against this Falcons defense. I think that, that Mitchell Trubisky is like Clark, what you think Josh Allen is like, he's just, he's so oh, scattershot. He's he's, yeah, I agree. I agree. I, I am not, I'm well, I saw Mitchell Trubisky and Josh Allen worked out together over the offseason. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, against Atlanta, it, I think that it's a savvy move. And it's not one I'm necessarily going to take, but at certain, we get ourselves into certain situations sometimes, and you got to look to make lemonade, and that's Trubisky. Whoever the starting quarterback is facing Atlanta is going to have to throw perhaps at the the highest rate that they will all season, just because of what Matt Ryan's going to do. So uh, I don't love it, but if you, you know, uh, were banking on Jimmy Garoppolo as your starting quarterback this year, he's an option. Or if you want to just stack the living shit out of your DFS lineups and then just put Mitch, I don't even know what Mitch is priced at, but I'm sure it's enough that you would make a hell of a savings and could uh, get him on there super cheap and maybe like load up at wide receiver or running back. Yeah. And do like Anthony Miller and Mitchell Trubisky, but I don't know. Maybe, maybe not for 20 bucks, maybe for a dollar. I'm also here for Allen Robinson. Well, I think uh, isn't Maroney the number two, like Miller, they've been running two tight end sets. So Miller is like kicked to the curb, the snap count. There's some, some guy named Maroney who is their number two receiver on the outside. Lawrence now. Maroney, uh, Lawrence Maroney yes, is back dude, as a tight yeah. end. He's oh he my god! He trained with he trained with Josh Allen and now he's <laughs> wide receiver. Wow, he's now a tight end for the Bears. That's amazing. Well done, Lawrence. Uh, let's get to a game that I cannot get enough of. It is the Carolina Panthers heading to the LA Chargers to play, and I have gone so far. Tell me, I'm crazy, you guys. I have gone so far as to completely in one of my leagues, my home league, invest entirely in this Chargers backfield. And I'm starting Austin Eckler and Joshua Kelly this week because this Panthers defense is just so damn bad. I want every piece of it. And this Carol and this Chargers backfield has been so damn good that both of these guys have put up reliably like RB2 at the minimum numbers that I I'm here for it. I'm running with it. Yeah, they, they take it away, look- Clark. Yeah, they both look pretty good. And uh, Justin Herbert, uh, we don't know if he's going to be good or not yet, but he's in that little four-game grace period where anyone who has the slightest bit of talent also doesn't have any professional film out there on him. And so you can look pretty good. We've seen this with a lot of really uh, folks who ended up being very mediocre. And he's in that little window right now and looks pretty good. Defenses don't know what to do. Austin Eckler and Joshua Kelly are both talented. I think Eckler's much better and I'm confused why he's not getting the ball more but for whatever reason they love to get the ball to Joshua Kelly too so it was nice to see Keenan Allen bounce back in this one I think uh it's gonna be a sad game for Mike Davis picker upperers uh this week but yeah I mean the the Panthers are proving they are who we thought they were when they drafted seven defensive players with their seven (laughs) draft picks to steal a line from Nick who said that several times yeah, why not get them both in there? I mean, unless you're just stacked and putting someone good on the bench, you could do a lot worse. So I'm not going to let Clark be so bashful. He's been telling everybody to add Josh Kelly like nonstop for the last few weeks. And 
to this point, Kelly only has three fewer touches than Eckler on the season. Like it's just a full blown 50, 50 backfield. And as you guys said, if you have Kelly, absolutely start him because if they, if they get up early and there's a very good chance that they do, I think Kelly will out touch Eckler because they're, yeah. they're going to try to preserve Eckler, his health with Kelly running so well. I like <sighs> Kelly's going to smash. Yeah. Fire all the cylinders. Um, I also think that this could be a sneaky Curtis Samuel game because it's the first game without Christian McCaffrey. And I wouldn't be surprised if we see Curtis Samuel get a few touches at running back as well as obviously at wide receiver, but for PPR formats, I think he's a, a sneaky, maybe wide receiver for play. So there's been some buzz from uh, folks who I can't remember on Twitter and I'm sorry. I hate it when I do that. Uh, talking about Samuel being productive and in his kind of gadget change of pace role that we've seen him in so far this year, you can really see why coaches are tempted by that play. We've seen Mike Davis play against tired defenses in uh, relief work for Christian McCaffrey and uh, not amazing, I think is a generous way to put it. So I think that the Panthers staff is going to be looking for a spark and why not give Samuel some run and see what he can do with it. Uh, so when they drafted Samuel, my understanding was that he was basically going to be Christian McCaffrey's backup to this point. He's mostly just been the downfield receiver and he's kind of struggled at it this year. He obviously won the slot receiver role has not been doing uh, all that much. I think that he will get some work in the backfield, but um, I, I just last week, like, like we talked about on the, the earlier show this week, when McCaffrey went out, Davis caught all eight of his targets and eight targets is a ton. So I'm not really sure where all of this work is going to come from, because I do think that Davis is the direct backup. He ousted Reggie Bonifon, who performed fairly well in, in relief of McCaffrey previously. He was, you know, he was from the old regime and uh, uh, what's his name um, in Carolina now. Not Rivera. Oh. Thank you. No. So yeah. Uh, we're all over the place, but the, the, the Joe Brady, sorry. Um, the point is they, uh, Davis, Davis beat out the, the prior backup. I think that they like him a lot. I've, I've seen him play in Seattle and, and in San Francisco. To me, he looks like a, uh, a, a Jag who's proficient, just another guy who's proficient uh, in, in both aspects of the game. That said, it's really tough to want to start anybody, uh, you know, a, a, like a ho-hum kind of starter, against the Chargers defense. So I can see if you did add Davis, you might need to bench him this week, but be excited because Arizona and Atlanta come in weeks four and five. And I think that in those matchups, Davis will be like a mid to high end RB2 this week. He's probably just a, a flex play with some upside in, in PPR leagues. Yeah, and I almost forgot to add the one thing I really wanted to point out when talking about this game, the not-at-all-spicy take that Robbie Anderson is by far the best wide receiver on the Panthers. Mm-hmm. That's a suck, DJ Moore. Uh, uh, Robbie is yet another one in the building history of excellent players who were hampered by Adam Gase. Oh, and, my uh, God. Yeah, now that they're free, fingers crossed for Darnold, everybody. Fingers crossed for just form. everyone. I mean, yeah. we're, gonna, yeah. we're the next game is the Jets at Indianapolis. And to be perfectly honest with you guys, I don't know if you want to have any. There's no reason we should talk about this game. Right? Uh, I mean, 
I will mention that T.Y. Hilton is having a really rough start to the season, but he started getting targeted late last game. He is missing like wide open balls. I don't know if he just forgot how to catch or what, but I am starting T.Y. Hilton with confidence. He looks good. And all the receivers that Phillip Rivers likes to throw to continue to get hurt. So T.Y. Hilton's kind of the only game in town. Uh, Jordan Wilkins is proving to be a very valuable backup because uh, the only thing they hate in Indianapolis more than I can't think of a good analogy is having two running backs. So Taylor is getting all of the work in the world. So if he goes down, Wilkins is the man to own with Naheem Hines. He's going to have a couple of big games, but good luck figuring out when that's going to be. Taylor is looking like he is quite capable of shouldering the load. I'm fine with T.Y. That's fine. I don't want to talk about the Jets. Jets are garbage. I'm happy to hear what you had to say about T.Y. because he's been kind of breaking my heart. Dropping that 40-yarder was uh, – that hurt me. Good passes, too. Just right in the hands. And he just forgot how to do it, I guess. Right. Um, Regarding the backfield, I I think that we just have to treat Naheem Hines like a deep field receiver where we see an obvious matchup where they're going to have to play catch up. That's when we put him into our lineups. But other than that, I don't want anything to do with him. That's that's a good call. I like that. Uh, T.Y. Hilton, I know Clark is pumping you up with excitement and and good good vibes. You're on the Dunzo list, so have he's a good pre Dunzo for me. Well, I mean, like, he's not. Yeah, he has. This is his last chance. The Dunzo list is your last chance to do something. You are him. one more fifty yard wide open hitting you in the hands touchdown. If you drop it for me giving up, you're done. Uh, How about Morley Cox? Sorry, <laughs> yeah. So if, yeah, if I he has not been Phil picked Rivers up in your league, his tight ends. Yeah, he's so good. Jack Doyle, go home. Yeah, I don't want him to come back. Mo Cox is awesome. He's super fun to watch too. Sorry, let's let's yeah get through this game. Uh, well, another game that is kind of I feel like similarly maybe there's not too much to talk fantasy wise, but on a very different side of it, Dallas Cowboys heading to Seattle. I mean, just fire up everyone and let this game ride. Yeah. Like this game is, this game is going to be amazing. It's going to be incredible. Extra large. Hard no. hitting analysis. Yeah. And extra large. Please. Sorry for the, the chiming in from the dog there. No, that's, I mean, he wants, he's contributing. He's saying, he's saying that there's actually some people we should talk about in Dallas, uh, Seattle. Yeah. I mean, I think if you want to get really fringy, like not Tony Pollard, uh, I think the, Dalton Schultz has proven, like I said, by the way, that the uh, Cowboys offense relies on a tight end. Yeah. And you don't have to be that fantastic to still get a bunch of targets. Uh, so he got a bunch of targets and a touchdown. Uh, I mean, who do you not want to play on the Seahawks? Do you maybe not want to guess Olsen or Disley? Okay. But otherwise, Lockett and DK Metcalf are absolute goes. Chris Carson, probably like a lot of people who picked him in the third or fourth round are looking really, really smart about right now so yeah it's gonna be a fun game yeah i'm very excited for this game i think um i uh i might have put chris carson in as oh he's the running back 13 i wanted to squeeze him into the top 12 we'll have to see maybe maybe he bounces eckler out of there before kickoff uh but yeah props to you clark with the with the schultz call how are we feeling about michael gallup because he has not gotten it done twice in big situations and he's had big gains taken away uh but it kind of looks like C.D. Lamb has kicked him Nick, to do you know, number three. Do you know where he is right now? Do you know where Michael Gallup is right now? 
the Dunzo list. The Dunzo list. <laughs> yeah, that's why George is barking. Let's up, see Gallup. it. Let's see it, Michael Gallup. Like this is this is a matchup where you're going up against a Seahawks secondary that got absolutely flamed by Julian Edelman and Nikhil Harry, who I love dearly, but aren't elite downfield receivers, especially Julian Edelman, who went for like 170 yards. Uh, so if this is if Michael Gallup still struggles to find a role in this offense or or still struggles to make big plays down the field or not have them get called back because of stupid penalties, then uh, then all my Michael Gallup stock is about to get get sold real fast. All right, let's. We had four games left. Tampa Bay Buccaneers heading to Denver to talk about talk about to play the Broncos. Clark, I know you're excited. Blake Bortles back in our lives. Play. <laughs> playing in denver yeah bucks dst fire him up uh tom brady looked a lot better in week two than he did in week one mike evans uh is not going to be frozen out thank god was really worried about that one invested heavenly in cheap old mike evans this week uh i have completely bailed on rob gronkowski you called it week one pete that he did not look great out there and i just did not want to believe you and he just did not look really good as a receiver. Uh, still looks okay as a blocker, but it's just not looking good for Gronk. But I think the Buccaneers are going to be fine. Denver is just in a tailspin and not in the fun animated TV series of my youth type way. <laughs> a fun tailspin? <laughs> Something that I think uh, kind of helps uh, solidify the passing game usage, not that they needed it, but of, of Evans and Godwin is that both Watson and Scotty Miller are a little banged up right now. Not likely, I don't think, for Watson to play. Miller might, but he's it's a groin and a hip, so that's going to be a pretty difficult thing for him to be running routes with. Um, are we considering O.J. Howard as a as a thing, or what's, what's everybody's thoughts on him? A lot of other options have become available, but if – it's OJ Howard or Kyle Rudolph, Irv Smith, or like you put yourself in a weird position like that. I think Howard is fine. And Brady does still love to work the middle of the field. So it's not a bad play. He's just middling, you know, tight end 10, tight end 14. Something it's like just that. that Bruce Arians fucking hates tight ends. Well, Bruce Arians he, don't play quarterback, so I don't care. I know, I know. But it's just like I have such a hard time buying stock in tight ends for the Buccaneers because Bruce Arians does not like them. I love that Bruce Arians says what he thinks and changes his mind frequently and people lose their minds <laughs> about it. So that's what uh, I think is happening. Or he just lies all the time. I don't know. Coach speak. I hear he uh, trained with a professional liar, uh, you know, lie teller. He spent some time with Bill Belichick this offseason on how to handle press conferences. There you go. Perfect. Well done. Uh, Detroit Lions heading to Arizona to take on the Cardinals. How many touchdowns does Kyler Murray score this game? (laughs) All of them. What a Yeah, I think the only – the he's so good the only thing to really think through on this one is to monitor kenny galladay's status because that will be a big uh, boom or bust factor in the detroit passing game specifically if you are a matthew stafford owner who is, is currently panicking i also think it's a good time to add deandre swift if, if possible because he has his, his workload has somewhat increased and he, he looks all right yeah, yeah I have and my kept- hope that adrian peterson would help uh 
the Lions coach, Matt Patricia, be who he wanted to be. And that Adrian Peterson would just get 25 touches come hell or high water turned out to not be the right take. So kind of lukewarm on old AP again. Yeah. Yeah. I have a Kenny Galladay. If he's back on the field, uh, I am wide receiver 15. So I think even if he's healthy, I'm still not expecting like a wide receiver one production from him. Just Cardinals defense has been good so far this year and he's coming back from, he hasn't played at all this year. So I think it'll take him a little bit of time to to get his feet under him. Uh, We got two games left. And let me tell you people, these are Sunday night, Monday night football games on the point. Well done NFL scheduling department. We have green Bay Packers taking on the new Orleans saints in new Orleans uh, on Sunday night, which to me, this is, this is a great game, obviously. And the matchup is uh, quite spectacular. Is there anyone here? I think, again, this is, this feels like a Seahawks uh, cowboy situation where it's like, if you got him, fire him up. But is there anyone here that either of you guys are maybe a little tepid on going into the, uh, into the game? Not quite as high as on Sanders as I, you know, wanted to see in Las Vegas. Traquan Smith looks like a different player, even though he always looked kind of, um, a man amongst boys out there, just super big guy who moves super fast. Looked really good against the Raiders. Um, I am surprised that we're not seeing more Latavius Murray and more running up the middle to set some things up for Drew Brees. I've heard a lot of talk about ah, Drew Brees is obviously done. He can't push the ball downfield. Gordy's upset about it. Uh, so <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if I saw that so much as I saw the same Drew Brees that I saw last year that his deep ball is not great. Uh, but I've, you know, Still thinking maybe he just had a bad game against the Raiders. Alvin Kamara seems to be just really doing well as a security blanket and the only thing working right for the Saints all the time. But no, I mean, Marquez Valdez, Scantling, maybe Lazard. Like, do you want to play Jamal Williams this week again on top of Aaron Jones? I don't know. This You kind of fire him up in this one. Um, yeah, we, we try to tip listeners off to adding Traquan Smith last week hopefully everybody did it he operated as the team's alpha receiver uh, perhaps behind uh I guess no no he actually he did out target yeah Jared Cook yeah um what we really liked about it was that he was not just running his his deep routes like that I mean his role was to be the deep field downfield receiver but he was running routes all over he was running shorts intermediate and Reese was looking for him this role could really be lucrative in this one um they're both I mean I think that the Saints defense is actually good and if I'm wrong then then Smith could have uh, an even bigger day but I think that billing Smith for another seven targets is a really safe number and I think that he could go higher yeah I like I, I liked him a lot I liked what we saw from him and he, he seems to I think Emmanuel Sanders might eventually develop uh chemistry with Drew Brees but it does seem that Traquan Smith having been there longer is a little more on the same page and it, and what Emmanuel Sanders does best might be kind of overridden by Jared Cook who I also think will will continue to be a, a vital part of this offense so then let's move to the final game of the week and you can't ask for a better game Monday Night Football Kansas City Chiefs heading to Baltimore to take on the Ravens now this Ravens defense I mean is no joke we have seen them stifle and just completely shut down opponents it is the Chiefs offense though Again, are we firing everyone, uh, firing them all up if you got them, or are we uh, tempering expectations with some people? Clark, I, I want to hear your, your thoughts on Michael Hardman. 
No, it's been a pretty disappointing run for Nicole Hardman. He's got more run in game two than he did in game one, but it seems like the Chiefs have been okay not needing him to do very much. Uh, the char- Chargers are kind of, you know, Dickens-esque tale of two cities, you know, not looking great in week one and then looking really good against one of the best teams in the league in week two. I... I'm holding on Mecole Hardman. He's not sniffing any of my – he's not getting in any of my lineups. But I just don't know what to do with him. The Chiefs don't need him. They're so powerful without him playing that I don't see why they would force him in. I would force him in because he's so fast. Why not have another deep target? But I, I'm just going to sit on him. I'm not dropping him, but I'm not playing him either. Is the uh, is the Ravens are they are they down? Um, Tavon Young, their slot corner, He's, is out for the year, right? I think so. Yeah. Okay, so that could be a lucrative area for Demarcus Robinson to profit. I, I'm with you, Clark. I really, really like Michael Hardman, but they just seem to want to bubble wrap him. To uh, I think he's I think he's he's basically one of the the rare wide receiver handcuffs for Tyreek Hill. Right. And I don't that's think exactly. That. I think that's exactly what it is. Or it feels like if, T- T- if Tyreek Hill ever gets injured, they want to make sure Miko Hardman is there to just like plug right in. Yeah. So they only let him really uh, return yeah. kicks. And I think that unless Hill gets hurt or suspended, then, then it's just the, the Tyreek Hill show. Um, so that said, Sammy Watkins he did his thing where he was like, I'm great. And then he's gone again. And it was a helmet helmet hit that, that kind of knocked him out of the last game. Um, but he's going to be locked down on the perimeter. I just, I don't know. I think that, that if we're in a, a like full point PPR format, we could probably flex to Marcus Robinson and maybe get some sneaky points out of him. Uh, Travis Kelsey is obviously, you know, tied in one. Uh, he might be slowed a little bit, but I wouldn't worry about it too much. Um, and Claude Edwards Hilary got his passing game usage. So Terrell Williams deuces. Yeah. Are you at all worried about Clyde Edwards Hilary? Is this going to be his first I mean, this is his first real test as a rookie going up against Baltimore's defense, which has been the best against running backs through the first two weeks. Uh, is this an expectation? Where do you have him, Nick, on your rankings? I have absolutely no problem starting Clyde Edwards-Solaris at running back one. He's my RB9, so he dropped okay. like, I don't know, two or three slots. But I, the system, the so the, the volume of, of touches yeah. that you will get and the way that he will get them is there aren't, there aren't any other Andy Reeds. Yeah, so the so what's interesting to me in this game is what running backs are you willing to start for the Ravens? I think Dobbins is a no-brainer. I think Ingram is a low-end RB2 flex option. Uh, and then is Darwin Thompson not dead? I think is an interesting question for the Chiefs. I really wanted him to be a thing, and I th- think that that was proven out in what we saw from him last week of, like, he is a good – running he, he's well he's pretty good right he, he's okay and you don't have to be fantastic to uh be a fantastic fantasy player in Andy Reid's system so uh I don't know the the Ravens tough against the run they are but they also get up on teams so fast that on top of being pretty good against the run you kind of have to abandon the run which inflates the stats and is the whole snake eating itself thing. It's just a wonderful confluence of things happening. Uh, God, I wish this game was happening like week 14 or something, but it's going to be like must watch TV on Monday night. So Clark for the, for JK Dobbins, uh, I was looking at this the other day, Mark Ingram still has the lead on snap count and touches. Are we thinking that Dobbins is the better play here because of his passing game ability? 
I think Dobbins is a better play because he's had a little run and just shown to be the better back. I would be really surprised if Ingram doesn't out touch him through the first eight weeks, but Dobbins isn't doing rookie things. He looks really good. I think Ingram gets the nod just because he's the veteran, but uh, Dobbins is making the most of his touches. Okay. And I was, I was not on that. I was telling everyone, Oh, come on. Yeah. We replaced Mark Ingram with, you know, last year with the hot Ravens, you know, rookie draft pick before the season started and look how silly we looked there. And now Dobbins looks really, really good. Sounds good. All right. Well, there you go. Those are all the uh, games going on this week. And before we head out, as always, it is time to reach out into the ether and contact the Oracle. Hello. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Pretty good. I'm a little grumpy today. Uh-oh. <laughs> is 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 your record on the line here? Are you worried about it? could be. Oh, I my mean, goodness. You know, I have a little bit of a brain fuzz going on, so I'm not sure. Here's what you got, Oracle. <laughs> okay. All right. Am I just supposed to pull something out of the air? That's going to be tricky. Well, no, I'm giving you I, – I haven't told you what you have to pick yet. <laughs> That's good. Oh, my goodness. The brain is fuzzy. Yes, it is. Okay. You have two players to pick from. Who are you saying you should start this week? We have Marquise Brown, who is the wide receiver for the Baltimore Ravens, the number one receiver who has seen the most work on this offense, going up against a tough Kansas City Chiefs secondary, which has been, uh, I think, like top 10 in uh, in points allowed to wide receivers. So it's a tough matchup, but this game – is will prove to be a high scoring affair or or do you start cd lamb who is a rookie wide receiver for the dallas cowboys he is second on the team in targets but on the depth chart probably their third wide receiver uh but is also having a very good matchup against the seattle seahawks in a game that will also be a very high scoring affair so the question is is do you go with marquise brown the number one clear-cut wide receiver in this offense in a tougher matchup or a rookie a little bit further down the depth chart but in a good matchup and just trust that his continued success will keep going um, so what's the age difference between these guys? Not much. Marquise Brown is in his second year. C.D. Lamb is in his first year. Okay, so not that much of an experienced player. No. <laughs> and are they all down in Florida together? Where are they all? No, they're across the country. The NFL doesn't believe in bubbles. Uh, okay, so where's the first guy? <laughs> uh, Baltimore is the first okay. game, and the second, and game, the second game is in uh, Seattle. Okay. Um, I think I'm going to have to go with Baltimore because there's a lot of smoke floating around on that West Coast. Okay. Marquise Brown, you are saying pick over C.D. Lamb. Yep. All right. There you go. Thank you. Oracle, take some rest and and clear up that hazy brain. Okay. Bye-bye. All right. Bye.
the Oracle uh, a little rambly, but that's expected. But uh, Marquise Brown over CD Lamb. There we go. Make sure to subscribe to the Fake Teams podcast wherever you get your podcasts, iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher. That is how you'll not only uh, get us, but also our fantasy baseball and basketball podcasts. Make sure to follow us on Twitter at RB1 Podcast. Follow myself at PM Rogers, Clark at NFL Clark, and Nick at Ginger underscore underscore Nick without a K. We will be back at you next week. Best of luck for week three. Until then. Peace.